people, this is the OG Photo Chronicles podcast. I am your host, OG Photo, and welcome to the first episode of this podcast. So what would you be expecting from this podcast? So this is a interview style podcast. We will be interviewing photographers from very various walks of life, uh, just getting their perspective on their particular area of interest of photography and what it is that they do. Just a little bit of background information as to how they go about taking their photos and uh, just you know, uh, doing what it is they do. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, I am OG Photo. I myself am a photographer. I am a Washington, D.C.-based freelance photographer. So I typically specialize in street photography, do a little bit of photojournalism, editorial work, and glamour work as well. I've been doing photography for well over 20 years. But also, just to to kind of give you more background about who I am, so typically... um, I actually got into photography my freshman year in high school. So it started out as a hobby. So eventually at some point I said to myself, you know, I pretty much have an interest in this particular art form and I want to explore it even further. So a few years later, I jumped back into it when I was in college. Uh, I attended the Art Institute of Washington. I had an introduction course. So we really didn't cover too much. Uh, Just the the point of the class was just to go out, basically take photographs, come back to the class. We upload the photographs, you know, because we were using digital cameras uh, at the time. So we would critique critique each other's photographs and, you know, say what could have worked and what couldn't work. So, you know, we would just kind of just pretty much that was the basis of that course. So years later, so I decided to kind of get jumped back into it. So I I wanted to take it a lot more serious. So I decided to basically just kind of go out and buy various self-help books and take it a little further, you know, because I didn't know anything about shutter speeds and apertures. So I decided to take it a bit further and learn from my own benefit. At some point in time, I just kind of developed a rhythm and just going out in the streets, which started out as street photography for me. And And um, it it just took off from there. I pretty much kind of, kind of, I pretty much gravitated towards street photography. It just came natural to me. I just like going about exploring different locations around the city. D.C. is not a big city, but, you know, uh, what can I say? Uh, You know, uh, you can go out and get some type of street photography photographs if you know where to look and go and travel. So, but without further ado, um, I do have a guest for my first episode of the podcast, a gentleman by the name of Joshua Black Wilkins. He is a Tennessee-based photographer. So we're going to see if we can try to get in touch with him. Uh, He's expecting my call. So we're going to get into it right now. Joshua, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good, good, man. Thanks for t- taking your time out your schedule to do the podcast episode, man. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, man. You know, how's everything going on your end? Uh, great. Just saying yes to everything and figuring it out, figuring it out later, you know. 
I got you. I got you. Yeah. So let's get into it. So for those that don't know, we are talking with Joshua Black Wilkins. He is a Tennessee-based photographer. So uh, let's get to the uh, the questions. So basically, um, just to kind of get some background about who you are. So where are you from? And describe your upbringing growing up as a kid. Sure. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, sorry. Well, I've been in Nashville 20 years. Uh, it'll be 20 years next week. Okay. Uh, but prior to that, both my parents are Marines. Ah. Um, between North Carolina, Virginia, and Alabama when I was growing up. And then um, it seemed that I had a kind of, you know, one glowing opportunity to move to Nashville 20 years ago and took it and kind of never looked back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I know uh, I know traveling around is a mil- I mean, me personally, you know, um, I'm not a military brat. I do have some people in my family that are in uh, the military, but I never had that that luxury of traveling to the various locations. But you know, I definitely understand how that can be. So, uh, how did you get your start in photography? Well, I've always been a visual person. I mean, even as a little kid, I mean, I you know, I I I. I I liked picture books more than books with words, and uh, uh, you know, between that and you know, whatever, you know, National Geographic or whatever it was, I um, I was just kind of always drawn to photography, uh, and so it was started as a hobby uh, when I was uh, fifteen, I guess, so like mid nineties, ninety four, ninety five. Uh, okay. If you don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 44. Oh, okay. So you are a little bit older than me. Um, I'm 40. As a matter of fact, I'll be 41 in the next few days. So you know, yeah, yeah. 44 last week. It's, oh. uh, it's a good, it's a good age. Okay. Hey, hey, who you telling, man? You know, it's it's weird because you know I remember when I was in my 20s, I was trying to figure out how I'm gonna look when in my in my 40s. So I've always had somewhat of a youthful look. So thankfully, you know, I haven't you know aged too bad. But you know, it is what it is. But but continue. I ain't mean to cut you off. But go ahead. No. Um, yeah, it was just um, it was just a hobby, something I kind of enjoyed getting into. You know, obviously you were around in the nineties too, so yeah, yeah. There wasn't internet, there wasn't you know social media, there wasn't. Um, and at the time, I lived in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, which um, uh, you know, not a tiny town, but um, there's you know there wasn't a lot of resources. Um, available to me um, like there is now and, right uh, so it was uh, you know maybe taking pictures of dilapidated barns and buildings and um, now let me ask you this the, the area where you live was it more of a rural area or is it more city suburbs suburb okay um, yeah I, I pretty much always lived in you know, what any of us would uh uh, growing up, pretty much always lived in what any of us would, um, you know, define as as the suburbs. Um, right. And so, you know, I'd have to go, you know, I'd have to go downtown and find, uh, you know, dirty alleyways and dark corners in order to kind of find something that uh, was unlike the um, environment that I that I grew up around. Yeah. Um, and I was always kind of drawn to that, and I didn't take. Uh, really didn't take the photographs of people. Um, you know, I, uh, I 
again, it was the nineties. There's, there was, you know, especially the, the idea of, you know, taking pictures of unusual people. Didn't right. Really oh, trust me. I know because when I, when I first started, you know, cause, um, my first introduction of photography was really street photography. So I had to kind of work up a nerve to kind of like photograph people because, you know, some people, they don't really mind, you know, they, they know what it is you do, but then you have some people that are kind of like looking at you with like a, a side out of it, like, you know, okay, what the hell is he doing? You know? So I know the feeling. Cause, um, matter of fact, I was, uh, uh, what was this last week? Uh, no, no, it was the week before last. Um, one of the areas I like to go to here in D.C., I like to go down to the National Mall. And um, I, I went down towards the Lincoln Memorial. So as I was going up the Lincoln Memorial steps there, a lot of times you have, like, different people that are trying to promote something, whether it's a cause. So there was a guy that was wearing, he had on some shades, and he had on, like, a, a, a bandana wrapped up covering his face and had the word love. And it, the image looked so good because it was people surrounding him, kind of, like, going up and down and I was like uh, getting closer to him and then all of a sudden he just waved his hand I was like no 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 I was like oh shit damn you know so I know that feeling because you you want that perfect you see that perfect image in your mind but then you know you're like you don't want to make the other person the, the subject uncomfortable you know whether they know they're being photographed or not so I know the feeling but yeah but go ahead continue um, you know, I, I, I didn't really get into you know what we now consider street photography until oh whatever you know 15 plus years ago and you know the first time i went to new york city or the you know the first time i you know took a camera through like downtown philadelphia and uh, right uh and again there was you know there's there's so many definitions and so many kind of how to's now but uh but back then it was you know kind of you know it was guerrilla style and and uh, and and you know of course completely shooting on film until 17 years ago um uh there was always a you know i i think this is going to be a good photo and you know a week from now i'll find out right um, but uh and, I, and i've always had a really difficult time uh approaching strangers still to this day yeah um, <laughs> you know i've i mean I don't think I've ever actually been told no, but uh, I know, you know, I can think of a hundred times where I wish I had asked. Right, right. I know the feeling, trust me, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, and again, now, you know, now, I mean, now everybody has a camera, you know, whether it's in their pocket or on their neck. And, right. And so uh, I think most everybody in public places is a lot more self aware. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's a good thing and a bad thing, but um, you know, I mean, even when I, I mean, I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and the area that I live in has um, become very very popular with tourists wanting to come and see where you know musicians live and artists live. And, yeah. Um, and oftentimes there's you know there'll be a camera crew on a sidewalk or somebody trying to make their you know very first documentary on a subject that's been covered a thousand times right right yeah and, uh, you know and i'll try to i'll literally try to you know avoid their cameras or whatever because you know i don't want to be uh, you know filmed or photographed um yeah you know uh you know without my permission but um but that's i think why i've kind of gravitated towards more kind of portrait-based photography and and having you know shooting in somewhat controlled environments where um you know myself the photographer and the subject um 
you know, we're, we're all well aware of what we are doing there. Right, right. It's funny because, you know, that you mentioned you live in Nashville because the only thing I really knew much about Nashville, well, Tennessee in general was the music scene because the only thing I knew about was country music, Elvis Presley, and 3-6 Mafia. That was my pretty much my uh, my thing about, uh, you know, Tennessee, you know. So, but of course, you know, Elvis pretty much put it on the map, so, but definitely. Yeah, it certainly did, but, uh, you know, it's... It, uh, well, even when I moved here, I mean, I, I, I made a record here a couple of months or so prior to moving, and I'd spent a fair amount of time here, um, had a lot of friends, and, uh, but when I, when, you know, when I moved to Nashville, my friends back home, and, you know, they're like, why are you moving there? It's just like, you know, pop country music and this and that. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, it's actually really cool. Um, it was, it was a fairly well-kept secret until the, um, you know, honestly, until like social media came out and all of a sudden everybody, you know, was able to share <laughs> right. how much cooler this place is. And, you know, it, pop country music is manufactured here. Um, you know, arguably on two streets, um, but uh, beyond that, it, it's it's an incredibly <laughs> creative place, um, full of very very inspired and inspiring creative people that have <clears throat> nothing to do with uh, our biggest import, which is you know contemporary country music. Right, right, right. Now let me ask you something. Since you mentioned, because uh, I'm, I'm not sure, maybe you can help me with this. Is the uh, is that place? What's it called? Um, the, the Grand Ole Opry. Is that that's in Tennessee? It's in Nashville. Yeah, it's um, uh, literally where I'm standing. If there wasn't for trees, I could I could see the building from where I'm standing. Oh wow! So you were right in the, in the hub. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, and the Opry's been going on since the forties, I think. I guess, but um, and it's still, especially for. You know, almost exclusively for tourists. Yeah, uh, it still exists, and um, you know, every once in a while, a couple of my friends get to to play it for the right reasons. But, right, um, right. Um, but yeah, it's you know, going to the Opry is like going to Disneyland, and you know, it's you're you're gonna you're gonna have the exact kind of experience that you want to have based on the brochures that you read on your way into town. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know. Because for some reason, you know. It, Nashville kind of also reminds me of um, Austin, Texas a little bit. Absolutely. It kind of has like that, that hipster scene as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cause I know they have like first the... Time I, uh, first time I went to Austin probably 18 years ago and uh, within the first day I you know, made a dozen friends. Um, it was very welcoming and, and, um, uh, and it, Nashville and Austin have been kind of sister cities for decades specifically because of uh, music, but, um, uh, you know, every time I go back to Austin and meet up and they're like, oh, just, you know, just wait, like Austin's about five years ahead of Nashville as far as all the growth. And they were absolutely correct about that. It's, it's, um, uh, I still love Austin, but, um, and I still love Nashville, but there are days that it's, it's hard to love because of the, the growth in the wrong direction. But, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, our, it's it's 
a lot more difficult to afford to live here. Um, Trust me, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off because it's the same thing. Because you know we have a a, a a very alarming gentrification situation here in D.C. Because you know even uh, not too far from my neighborhood where I actually live in and grew up nearby, because this it's like a a, a a cluster of condos that's constantly being built in a, at an alarming rate, and it's like for some of the um the the condos is already built. Not even a lot of people are able to to even like the the upper class and the well do. I mean, because they they're rather into purchasing houses as opposed to like living in you know the condos. Because one thing about DC, it's it's a transient city. So you know because you know, and it's sad because I've had people ask me where I'm from, and I tell them from DC. Like really, and I'm like, yeah, I was born and raised here. You know, and because you have so many people, yeah, come and go, and it's like they'll maybe live here for about maybe I guess anywhere between maybe two to five years. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then go on to another location. Yeah. Cycles. Exactly. So trust me, I know the exact same feeling. So I can imagine like like a city like uh, New York, that's probably even worse. Yeah. Yeah. But um but definitely um but uh go ahead what you was gonna say. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> yeah. No, you're good. Um yeah in my experience in New York there's a lot more people that uh, I grew up there and would never leave and um, uh, with, with you know with where I live uh, yeah it's you know everything's every city's changing and you know, with, you know of course in DC it's you know election cycle based yeah and, uh, oh yeah Matter as a matter of fact we have a mayoral uh, election coming up next month yeah I mean, I just, me personally, I just tell people to vote locally. That's pretty much how you're going to make a difference, you know. Most important. Yeah, yeah. Because your, your, your city council people and your mayor have way more to do with, you know, how your life is affected than, than um, uh, or, well, we're on the same page. It's, it's, right, right. It's, it's so critical. And, um, you know, I don't know how many times you have to, beat that into people that, that the most important election can can you know literally start in your own neighborhood but right right yeah have you ever been to dc before yeah oh, absolutely I, I used to live um my dad was stationed well at uh headquarters marine quarter uh headquarters marine quarter and fort Belvoir. so um we used to live, well, I lived in Springfield, Virginia, I lived in Woodbridge, Virginia, and I lived in Stafford, Virginia. Okay, so you very well connected to the area, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, uh, classroom, you know, our, our, our field trips as a kid was, you know, to, uh, you know, the different Smithsonian museums in the 80s. It, it, trust me, because w- when I was in elementary school, that was the same thing with me, because that was typically our field trips. We would go downtown to, to the, the landmarks and, you know, just, you know, talk about whatever we saw, you know, and just, you know, the, the history behind, you know, the, the, the monument or the, you know, the typical stuff. Yeah. But no, 
always loved, I've, I've, I've kind of claimed that, you know, there's been plenty of times that I've kind of claimed that I grew up, well, at least in the D.C. area, because I did. Yeah. Um, it was just always the, the Virginia side. And a lot of my, uh, you know, family and chosen family, uh, also Marines and, and uh, FBI and CIA, and, and, and so they were all in the D.C. area, still are. Ah, okay. That's good. So, that's that's a place that I've certainly you know claimed as much as I claim Nashville. Ah, ah, hey, cool, cool, cool. All right, all right. So let's move on to the next part of our interview. So uh, let's see, who were some of your influences in photography, if you have any? Uh, oh, plenty. I, I it's, we could spend way too long with with especially my my more current influences. Um, again, early on, you know, in the 90s, you know, I, I, you know, borrow or permanently borrow, you know, photography books, cocktail books from a school library and, and didn't necessarily know the names of those photographers um, until much later. Um, but uh, you know, certainly, you know, Ansel Adams, although I don't really do landscape photography much anymore. I had one of his books, yeah. Oh, and and, and we all should. Yeah. Um, but uh, in more recent years, the past 10, 15 years, um, you some of my biggest influences uh, in my photography now, uh, I've, I've also gotten to become friends with. So people like Danny Clinch and Frank Hockenfels. And um, Mark Seliger. Actually, I, I'm glad that you mentioned. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, a few years ago, I want to say this was back in 2015 or 16. He had a, uh, a Q&A here in D.C. at the Portrait Gallery. And um, I'm also a member of an organization. It's called the, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you ever heard of the American Society for Media Photographers. Yeah, I'm a member of their DC chapter, so they had a um, an event that he came out and he talked about his work. He had a Q and A, and I think it was about maybe two hours. He showed uh, slides of some of uh, his photographs and the different celebrities he collaborated with. One of my favorite ones is wild because uh, he had a story. Uh, he had took a, a photograph of Billy Bob Thornton, and it's 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 a weird but funny photograph. So he has a picture of him peeing against say a, a backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but he he asked him. He was like, uh, um, "I want you to do me a favor. Uh, could you pee on the uh, the backdrop?" And at first he was like, "He said, no, I'm not doing that shit." He said, uh, "You know, because he had to basically convince him to uh, the pee because he said, I tell you what, the only way I do this photograph is, you know, you're not gonna. Like, he he didn't want him uh, photographing his, I guess, his penis or whatever. So he basically kind of had like t had photographed him uh, with his back towards the camera, but you see him peeing against the uh the backdrop which was kind of funny but it was weird but you know i i mean you know i, I he he humbly obliged to do it but you know but it, that, that's crazy <laughs> and sometimes you know sometimes that's what it takes to get the uh the photograph um yeah and but all three of those particular photographers you know i've gotten to, to know and become you know friends and friendly with uh and they've and all three of them have, have also been very uh encouraging and supportive um of my work um that's good which, yeah you know, which means a lot because 
um, you know, it's it's such a kind of a cutthroat industry now more than ever with um, and a lot less money involved more now than ever and so it's uh, you know there, there's certainly days and weeks like we all know that you know you have to wake up in the morning and you have to tell yourself that you're still a photographer and you have to tell yourself that this is still this is still what you want to do for a living because, yeah oh yeah uh, you know these 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 dreams and these stories that we heard of you know uh creatives and photographers back 10 20 years ago making a lot of money just don't exist yeah because um, see the thing is because you know not to not to knock anybody's goals or dreams because you have a lot of people uh that are getting more into photography not necessarily for like the artistic uh merits of it but you have people that are just kind of like following trends it's like it's very trendy to have a camera and, and it's, it's like a lot of hipster bullshit that's going on with photography you know and I, that's that's the the other the the, the downside to photography but the way I look at it, it's like the, the true talent always rise to the top. So, you know, you're going to have your people, you know, it's going to just, you know, follow whatever's trendy, you know, and take their little pictures or whatever. And, you know, it's and they move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and trends, you know, just like I've never I've never been a very fashionable person and then I pretty much wore the, wore the same thing for like 20 something years <laughs> uh, which, which means every 12 years whatever it is I'm wearing is fashionable again but um, right however um, uh, you know I've I've always understood um, how important it is to, to pay attention to what hipsters are doing yeah um, because it is based on something, and, and you know whether it's yeah, they have a certain. I, one thing I will say, you know, they have a certain look that is enticing, you know, but but that look also, you know, changes. You know, it's 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 a it's it, it, exactly it is constantly changing. It's like you know, it, you know, they they'll like it for one minute, then you know they'll follow another trend that someone else is doing, and they catch on to that. It's like really, where's your originality? You know, you know, as soon as as soon as the mainstream, so in in the professional photography world, you know, as soon as the mainstream, as soon as like old navy starts picking up on the trends that <laughs> were were doing six months prior, right? Um, and and you see these cycles, and and you know, you and I are both old enough that that uh, you know, just recently, uh, Jinko jeans are back, and the first time I really, really. Oh, I know. I'm sorry to. I'm sorry to report, but um, and the first time I saw this was was on a, a pretty well-known uh, celebrity who's a friend of mine, and uh, I was like, "Oh dear God! Like, how can this? This was bad the first time." But then it, you got to realize, like, 23 years ago, like th- th- there are grown-ass adults that. that drinking age adults that were not alive when that fashion trend uh, first came about. Right. And so kind of, you know, I, I do try to pay attention to what the, the young, very inspired creative people are doing um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's usually influenced by something that, that I was kind of naturally aware of, you know, couple of decades ago maybe but um uh, but because sadly because social media kind of 
rules the world when it comes to um, imagery and yeah, and capitalism and marketing. Um, you know, kind of being aware of of what people. You know, I, I started photography when there was only film cameras, so there's nothing precious. Uh, about shooting film to me because it's literally the fundamental of um, uh, of, of how I first picked up a camera. Um, but I have to also be very inspired by what somebody can do with an iPhone. Right. Because, um, you know, I, I took a Pentax K1000 in 1994 and I said, this is my tool yeah. and I'm going to use this tool to make a photograph. And somebody in 2022, you know, picks up their iPhone 14 and says, this is my tool. I'm going to use this tool to make something creative. And they do. Right. And, um, and something that Mark, most, um, great photographers have said in recent years I know Mark Seliger has been famously quoted you know somebody had asked him you know what's the best camera you own or what's the coolest camera you own or what's the most important camera you own and he's sitting in front of an auditorium of you know hundreds of googling fans yeah and he pulls out he pulls out his phone out of his pocket and he, he holds it up he's like this is the most important camera I have it's on me all the time and it's a tool and if I need to make a photograph of it I I literally have a camera in my pocket right and you know half the crowd got it and the other half you know eventually got it um but you know, it's been so important for me to kind of check myself right uh, because I've certainly been hella pretentious yeah um, but uh, at times but uh, and just kind of check myself and say you know I didn't end anything and the people that I'm heavily influenced by right and inspired by like they didn't necessarily invent it either they were just able to utilize uh, it take yeah, take the tool that's in their hand and, and whatever else and, and light because all photography is is the capturing of light. Right. Um, and and hopefully put their spin on it. Hopefully put their their trademark on it. Yeah. And the, you know, the biggest compliment I could ever get and fortunately I do get it is somebody who says like I knew this was your photograph before I saw your name on it. Right. You know, I, I knew that this was your work. And, you know, there couldn't be a bigger compliment unless there was like a whole bunch of zeros on a check somewhere. Um, because, uh, and, and that's, the, you know, that's the only way that I can kind of measure my own success is that people recognize my work with before seeing my name. Right. Um, and Danny Clinch would say the same thing. Frank Ockenfels, Mark Seliger, you know, my absolute favorite uh, fashion photographer, absolute favorite, uh, and one of my most inspiring photographers is uh, Ellen Von Unworth. Uh, yeah, I know of her as well. Yes, yeah. Buy, buy her books. Spend spend the good money on her books. But um, it's the most incredible and most inspiring record of um, of someone who's able to approach and photograph a a woman in a very natural and incredible um, way yeah and uh, you know I, I say all the time that you know it's the, uh, you know I'm so glad that people like Danny 
Lynch and Seliger and Frank Ockenfels are friends of mine because I've been ripping them off for years. <laughs> I mean, you know, but if you think about it, you know, the ones you admire most in the beginning, you kind of want to emulate this style because I give an example, like for me, when I was doing um, street photography, that's one of the other areas of um, photography that interests me. Um, there is a photographer uh, who goes by the name of Boogie. He's um, from uh, Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, very well-known street photographer, and you know he—he's known for very edgy, dark street photography. And you know, once I discovered his book, it's funny because I know back in my mid twenties, I was working at a, a sneaker store, and we used to have like the 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 Nike people come in and you know give us like promote promo stuff like the to, to get people to buy certain products. So they would have these flyers, and I and, and it's funny because um, at the time I didn't even know that he did the. Uh, the fault for the photography for the flyers so i say about this is maybe in 2005 so fast forward to 2008 i just happened to be on amazon trying to find some photography books to get and i came across his book and i bought it and then in, in the very back of the book he has uh his reference uh his uh website information and like the, the different clientele that he's worked with and and i and he and i saw the nike stuff i was like well hold up wait a minute this is the guy stuff i seen you know years ago and you know and i was just like okay so it, it was it was destined for me to know about who this photographer was and, you know, and see his work and, you know, but at some point in time, like I said, when I first started, you know, kind of like really getting into uh, street photography, I, I'm not going to lie, I was trying to emulate what he was doing. So it's, of course. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, nobody that gets into any, especially creative field from, from architecture to anything else. You know, nobody is going to, you know, pick up the pen or the brush or the camera or whatever and go without any background, go like, I'm going to invent a style that's never been done before. Right. Everything that we do is based on, inspired by someone else, somebody else's work. Right. And if you do it right, you go like, I love this person's approach to you know street photography or pornography or whatever it is and go like you know i want to take these inspirations and i want to you know work with it and maybe put my spin on it and i, I you know i want to expand on what this person inspired me by yeah um, and again kind of going back it's like it's why it's so important whether you call them hipsters or kids or whatever it is. Like, yeah. You know, be aware and pay attention to what the young people are doing because they basically set the trends to some extent. They 100% set the trends. Yeah. Um, you know, and music, as I'm, I know that you know, I'm sure that you know, like, you know, I turned 13 years old in, in September of 1991. Okay. So, in my world, in my music world, still to this day, but 1991, Nirvana's Nevermind, Pearl Jam's 10, and Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, all came out within the same 30 days. Oh, okay. And I was 13 years old. Yeah. So, you're getting your first pubes. You know, you're figuring out the girls are awesome. <laughs> you're handed this music that was, you know, just like on a silver platter. Yeah. And if you think back to, you know, what what we all 
what, what we consider like 90s rock music to be right it's all heavily inspired by or influenced by or completely ripped off yeah those three records yeah um and in the early 90s you know when when mtv finally had got their head out of their white asses <laughs> there's this incredibly huge very very popular music movement um in mostly in you know in inner cities um where it was you know the rap and hip-hop that we know of of course yeah you know prior to that like you know mtv would show uh, i don't know if you remember oh yeah i remember yeah the only thing they showed because it was it was controversial when they showed uh michael jackson oh big time yeah yeah but but prior in the 80s, I mean, the only, like, rap and hip-hop that, that kids like myself that lived in the suburbs, we were, um, was, you know, like, um, well, the Fat Boys and, and a couple of other things that it was pretty... Run DMC, yeah, LL Cool J, yeah, yeah. But then you had, you know, Run DMC, LL Cool J, and you had... Um, Salt and pepper. Naughty salt and pepper, naughty by nature. Um Well no well naughty by nature kinda came in like the early nineties. I, I yeah, I actually I don't now I don't actually remember. But yeah. that was that was pivotal be and, and what that affected, you know, again, as a visual person, like that music the the early nineties, you know, hip hop and rap that started to become available to the mainstream just as the you know the rock bands in the early 90s became available to the mainstream that affected fashion right and fashion affects the visual image and all of a sudden you know by 1993-94 you go to the shopping mall and you could buy a pair of ripped up jeans yeah they were like literally made to be ripped up and that was all based on music and you go and you look back and you go like well, who captured these, you know, who captured these things? So then it's all, it was, you know, it was based on photography. Right. Um, and uh, so uh, fashion culture and street culture, um, which we now, you know, just kind of refer to as like hipster culture. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, if, if everybody, you know, in the, in the, let's say the 40s, so prior to Elvis Presley, um, prior to James Dean, you know, everybody in the 40s wore, you know, suits and a nice hat. And, you know, even in the summertime. Right. It looked the same. Yeah. It wasn't much that defined, you know, Hank Williams looked just like anybody else. Yeah. Um, and um, by the time that, you know, uh, there was a lot more, you know, magazines, which is a, you know, visual representation of a culture, um, especially by the 50s and the 60s. Um, the you know the visual element of that just affected everything right and um i think i was aware of that before i ever was able to uh you know define it or explain it and um but yeah you know great photography wouldn't exist if there wasn't great music sure great music wouldn't exist if there wasn't you know, kind of a, a counterculture of people that were doing something left of the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right about that. 
Okay. Uh, so I'm going to move on to my next question. Um, are there any interesting moments uh, or stories that you would like to share while taking uh, photographs? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, I think like anybody, I have... You know, I have lots and lots, and they're all very different. There's some that I can't talk about just because, uh, you know, talking shit about some celebrity is never a good idea. But, yeah, um, uh, you know, I spent, well, I spent 14 years um, documenting the life and career of an incredible uh, singer-songwriter, uh, Justin Towns Earl. Okay. Uh, he he passed in 2020 of uh, fentanyl overdose. Oh. But, um, uh, but I had become friends with him kind of early on before he was doing music. And then we did some shows. I'd done a photo shoot when I was kind of starting out. And uh, then we went on tour. And, but my, and then he was immediately signed to a record label. And, um, so my, my name, most of my career, I can link back to one artist, which would be Justin. Um, but, uh, you know, my entire kind of music photography career was launched because, you know, I was friends with a cool looking guy who, um, you know, trusted uh, me to point a camera in his face. Yeah. And, um, and then my name was, you know, became immediately associated with uh, the visuals of his music. Right. Um, and so I have uh, a lot to credit for, for him. Um, but, you know, I've worked with, uh, I mean, I've worked with Dolly Parton, I guess. Oh, okay. Times. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. And uh, um, I've, I've gotten to, you um, you know, I've gotten to be around and work with. Well, well, let me let me, let me ask you this. I, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off again, but I noticed um because you know we pretty much follow each other on Instagram. I know oh, yeah. you did a um a photo uh of Willie Nelson. Yes. So what was it like uh, working with him? Well, that was well incredible. Of course, um, nobody would ever say anything different. Um, that was that our first shoot together was uh it's about nine years ago. And he was in town, there was a movie coming out, he was gonna be recording, you know, a song for this movie, and they hired me to come in, document the recording, and then do some portraits. Mm. And I, he was on the, I mean, he was on my short list before I even had a list. Right. Um, he, I mean, he's on everybody's short list, still is. Yeah, And uh, I can imagine. So I spent like, it was a, you know, top-notch recording studio in Nashville, and I spent about 45 minutes just, he was playing guitar and singing in the studio, and I was, you know, six feet from him, uh, kind of documenting that, and then I had 10 minutes to make a portrait. And uh, he, Willie's been around, I mean, he's, he's 90 years old, so. Oh, that's how old he is now? Yeah. Oh. But he knows what people want, so you don't have to ask for anything. He just, you know, he's got the three body positions, whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, and so I think, you know, I was given 10 minutes and I think I used like three minutes or something because he immediately gave me exactly what I wanted and he was ready to go to the bus. Nah. So, <laughs> Smoke as we, I bet. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> and so, of course, he was appreciative. You know, he made sure he asked me twice, made sure I got what I needed and I did. Um, and I've been, actually been on hold for over a year now 
was supposed to work with him again last July and he wasn't feeling well and I was down in Austin and um, so I've been kind of on hold for a little over a year to go back to Austin to photograph him again for a different project um, this time I'm going to follow him to the bus but we're um, uh, actually we're going to be at his house so uh, uh, I, I get to check another thing off my list that um, uh, you know, at, at this point, if you have an opportunity to smoke marijuana with Willie Nelson, you say yes. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, looking forward to working with him again. But, you know, he's, uh, you know, he was a trailblazer in that, uh, you know, if you know much about him. Then, of course. Uh, Who doesn't know? I mean, I don't listen to country music like that, but he's definitely a pop icon, yeah. Um, but you know, he, he, he wanted to write his own songs and back in the day, you didn't write your own songs because there was a bunch of dudes with neckties sitting in the room writing stupid country songs. And he kind of bucked the system and said, you know, I want to write my own songs. And so he left Nashville and moved back to Texas where he was allowed, where he was allowed to write his own songs. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, uh, that's certainly why uh, I think he's um, you know so iconic is because um, he kind of never he never really wanted to play by the rules I mean you know just the marijuana thing alone like he's been illegally smoking marijuana for decades <laughs> and um, and that's what he wants to do and then if you don't like it like I mean you know you can you know piss off and um, hey you curse what I said you can curse on here so you say fuck whatever yeah, yeah. But um, but I think that you know he's just you know I never had an opportunity to meet Johnny Cash. And, um, yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, about a year after I moved here, but um, you know he lived right up the road. I mean, I, I you know drove near you know nearby his house multiple times. Uh. But I think once I got into photography and realized that I still could have some, you know, kind of wish list opportunities. Um, you know, I just, you know, I've always tried to make myself available for those things because, um, you know, I only got to work with, well, he's still alive, but, um, uh, oh God, several other people. Um, well, Samuel L. Jackson, I physically, physically ran, in, <laughs> ran into on a, uh, I was working on a Marvel Avengers job. Oh, really? Oh, you got to tell this story. You got to tell this story. <laughs> well, it, it, is it, it was is an NDA attached to it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, but, I, you know, I saw the massive list of people that were going to be at the shoot, and I was working as a, a camera assistant, and um, but then I was hightailing it around this uh, soundstage, and um, he was coming around the other corner. We didn't see each other, and um, <laughs> physically bumped into him. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been around him, but he's huge. Like he's, I mean, his his character, his persona is huge. Right. So just really damn big. Really? I mean, I knew he was tall, but I didn't know he was like tall, tall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think he's probably average tall, but I think like just physically bumping in, I just got so damn small. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you know. Um, and he's like, damn, motherfucker, move out the motherfucking way, motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> uh, in fact, I just told my girlfriend like last week, 
because I imagine I'll finally get to work with him again. I said, you know, my goal, if, if I was able to write my own contract, I'd be like, all right, in the contract, Samuel L. Jackson has to call me a motherfucker. <laughs> in my contract. <laughs> if, 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 if it's in his contract that every movie he makes that he gets to, to, to say that, like, I want, I want it and I want it recorded. Right. Um, you know, that and smoke weed with Will Nelson, but, um, uh, yeah, that, but that's one of the few times I think I've ever been starstruck because, um, I mostly work in the music world. Right. And so, um, the, the TV movie world that I work in is usually as, you know, a, a camera assistant, photographer's assistant for a lot of like TV and movie jobs. Um, so those people aren't in front of my camera. Um, but you know, and the list goes on. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to get to work with so many people that I was already a fan of Yeah. to, you know, getting to actually, you know, know them or, you know, direct them or, you know, have them kind of trust me to put a camera in their faces. Um, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed on my end because, you know, I, I used to be really good at swinging a hammer and doing construction jobs. Oh, okay. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Mm. Hey, man, you, you, one of the fortunate few, man. Hey, you earned it. You know, 2020, I was considering what really shitty labor job I could go back to because, you know, I, you know, we didn't know how long the pandemic was going to end and it's still not over, but. Right. Um, but yeah, it, uh, you know, I've, I've never taken for granted that I've, you know, especially my early 20s and my teens, I used to have to work very, very hard. Um, and, uh, you know, when I have a, you know, a, a, a bad shoot is still way better than a really good day working outside in Alabama in August. Right. Um, I can imagine because I know down in the south, the summers are, are crazy. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but fortunately I have had those experiences. Yeah. Good, good, good. All right. Okay. So we can move on to the next portion. Uh, so my next question is, are there any current projects that you're working on? Certainly. Um, well, I just finished, right. I feel like I just finished up. Um, there's a really incredible, uh, artist named Billy Strings that um, he's young. Well, he just yeah, I saw that on your on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's kind of been brilliantly kind of bridging the gap between traditional bluegrass music and like deadhead, like stoner music mm. bands and grunge rock and. Um, uh, it's it's been incredible to kind of work with him this past year and get to see what he's accomplished. And uh, but I've been doing a ton of work with him, and a lot of that stuff is just now starting to roll out. Yeah. Uh, and you know, in a lot of ways, it's one of those you know you you uh, or I feel like some of the stuff rolling out right now. Um, is kind of can can you know become kind of these career defining kind of images because um, 
I'm working with people that don't necessarily associate my name with their favorite artists. Yeah. Now that's kind of happening. That's exciting. Um, And um, I've got a personal project that I shot, spent six or seven years actually shooting that um, it's gotten signed off to, to be a coffee table book by a, a publisher. Um, I, I've just been in the very unique position um, where, uh, you know, I have to basically hand them over hundreds and hundreds of images so that they can whittle that down to whatever it is, 200 or something. And so that's really difficult for me because, you know, it's a project that that, that I spent um, many years doing just for myself. Right. Yeah. Now there's kind of a, you know, a a money element involved and, um, um, uh, and it's really difficult to, you know, I, I can hand over control to a, on a commercial photo shoot all day long. But, right. You know, g- giving somebody control over a, a personal project is um, uh, you know, pretty difficult. But um, I can imagine, yeah. Um, and uh, that's uh, that project I had called um, Trash Bag Couture, and it was collecting and using um basically like I, I do remember seeing some 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 of your photographs that you know had the models wearing tri- like plastic bags and stuff yeah yeah um and that's i don't know a hard count but i think it's around maybe like 110 subjects at this point uh, okay that, that i've done that and, uh so looking forward to that um uh you know looking forward to uh to seeing it as a collection I suppose as opposed to seeing everything on a computer screen right um, and we've got some a um, uh, couple of upcoming like TV movie jobs I'm working on it's just to go they're always kind of exciting. Um, well, let me ask you this, because I noticed, um, I, I know one of your uh, Instagram posts, you had shared a video that you had shot on a, um, a Black Magic Pocket cinema camera. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, I was going to ask you, are you uh, have a, a curiosity with cinematography? Because I'm actually trying to get in there to m- myself, you know, because, you know, I'm trying to utilize that because I bought mine uh, a year ago from uh, B&H Photo in New York. So I'm, I'm definitely trying to, you know, get into using it more often. Yeah, I've, um, you know, for a long, long time, up until whatever. Hello? Sorry, I hit the mute button. Oh. For a long, long time, up until about 10 years ago, um, you know, photography and videography were very separate worlds, and everybody kind of liked it that way. Yeah. Um, and then when the, the Canon 5D Mark II came out, they shot HD video. Yeah. It changed the game. So then all of a sudden, professional photographers were um, kind of uh, expected to um, to be able to also shoot motion. And um, that's really kind of rocked both worlds, both the video world and the still photography world. But um, yeah. all that to be said, you know, I've been making music videos for um, over 10 years. Uh, I just, <laughs> I just, really try to be very careful to not like uh promote it uh, or advertise that i do it because it's it's a lot of work Um, i can imagine yeah but because of that um and just like some other stuff we were talking about earlier where i go like okay this is something that i kind of like but you know there's there's a whole different element to cinematography that um i'm way more inspired by which is um 
the, the actual like you know the cinematic art right the art film and, yeah and you know music videos can be very formulaic and not in a bad way but um I was never interested in shooting motion to make music videos. I think I just dreamed of making, I mean, I, you know, art films or, you know, silent movies or some dumb shit like that. Yeah, I, I share the same sentiment as well because I'm no, I give an example. I know uh, in the hip hop world, you typically see, you know, a bunch of, you know, rappers with their shirt off, got their jewelry dangling down their neck. They got like a stack of, you know, uh, thousands of dollars. It's like, you know, is that, is that all you can come up with? Like, you know, you see it over and over. You know, it's sad to say. I mean, don't get me wrong. You do have some people that can put like a creative twist on it, but still, it's like, you know, it's like, eh. You know. Well, it's a formula that works for the, the people with all the money to be able to market something. Yeah. And um, I think I've probably, I've attempted to sabotage myself, um, you know, a thousand times in 17 years by, you know, okay, well, you know, if I know how to shoot something that can market, you know, a, a shoe or a hat or, you know, somebody's shirt, like, yeah. how can I... You know how can I kind of sabotage sabotage that and and um and so I would much rather spend time uh, and that's kind of why I went with the the black magic yeah using anamorphic lenses is you know using a tool in a in a, in a way that you know it, it doesn't naturally it's not like picking up a, a digital SLR or a mirrorless camera and shooting motion. It's, it's a whole other kind of, kind of thing. Um, so, uh, I'm into that, um, trying to make some, you know, personal work kind of art clip things, um, just to, um, you know, find out where the limitations are and, and find ways to kind of push myself to think outside of my own box because, um, yeah. Uh, so we're you know working on that. Um, I, I think I, I have plenty of people that, that that seem to be willing to be a subject for me. Yeah. I just don't have. Um, it's just difficult for me to kind of come up with a hard and fast concept uh, written down or otherwise be able to explain a concept to somebody. Uh, yeah. I do like to tend to like to work kind of off the cuff. Yeah. Um, but uh but yeah I, i'm i'm into it yeah because i know um i use mine i had a photo shoot back in june with a model by the you ever heard of a model named kira grant uh probably if i saw if i saw their 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 gram yeah so um we we had a, a photo shoot and um i have a membership at a at a photography studio it's in alexandria it's called union 205 it's a nice studio if you ever come to the area again you know if you ever had an opportunity you know use some of the facilities in the area you should definitely use that you know they have is it's very reasonable because i've had my membership there for about i say uh, i guess a year and a half now a little over a year but but anyway but yeah um uh, after i did the photographs with her you know i told her that i want to do kind of like a little uh like a short uh film like thing kind of like you know it's but I mean, she is nude in the uh the video footage so matter of fact uh when i get a chance i'll send you the link you know you can check it out yourself because I, I was kind of surprised you know how well it, it turned out because I, I ended up uh editing in, in um davinci resolve so it turned out really well you know it's it was about maybe i think it's a little under five minutes but just the, the footage that we have recorded it turned out good yeah yeah you know, the, the tools are, are 
out there. I mean, even 10, 15 years ago, you know, professional grade, um, you know, motion cameras and stuff were just so expensive. It was, it was uh, almost an unattainable kind of industry to, to buy into, if you will. And, right. And now, again, you know, I mean, there's movies and music videos and whatnot and commercials being shot on iPhones. And um, I think when you start to kind of remove your own limitations, yeah. um, and you can look at a tool and go like, I can do that with this. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I think that that's, that's the right way to look at it. You know, I mean... The Black Magic, you know, Pocket Pro 6K, whatever the heck it is, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's great and it works really, really well. Right, and, and it does some things really, really uh, well, more intuitive than than other tools. But um, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I would. You know, I'm not ready for someone to necessarily hire me to shoot a, a art film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, um, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm very precious about my personal work, and, and I, I tend to not really want people to tell me how to do my personal work. I know exactly how you feel. You know, hey, we're artists and we're sensitive about our shit. Uh, but I mean, you know, if you add a couple of zeros to the check, you can tell me to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, hey, hey, you know, money, money talks, you know, so, hey. My mortgage has got to get paid every day. <laughs> I know the feeling, yeah, I know exactly and, and, what you mean. You know, AT&T doesn't take exposure bucks every single month. They want their $100, so I have a phone, so, yeah. Um, uh, you know, when when exposure bucks are uh, legal tender, well, you know, that would be a different conversation. Right, okay. Yeah. So I got two more questions for you and then we're going to wrap it up. So I know, uh, but you, you, you're doing good. I know in the beginning you sound a little nervous there, so you can breathe easy. So it's these are just some. I was leaving a restaurant and there was traffic and shit, but uh, we're all good now. Oh, okay. So my next question is if you weren't a photographer, what career path you would have chosen? Well, when I was a kid, um, I had, I had always said, until I was about 15, I had always just assumed that I would become a Marine. Uh, my, mm. my parents had never, you know, pushed me to that. They, um, uh, I don't think my parents had actually had had those expectations. I just kind of had that assumption that, um, you know, when I become an adult, I would, you know, also be a Marine like my parents. And I got into music and photography at the same time. Yeah. About. 14, 15 years old. And, um, uh, and like a lot of people, it was, you know, I kind of got that bug of, um, you know, you start getting, you know, Rolling Stone magazines and watching MTV and, um, kind of realizing that there's these two kind of creative, um, uh, avenues that, um, things that I was interested in, music and photography. And, um, but, uh, Prior to music and photography, I assumed I was going to be a Marine. I know when I was a kid, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think, well, I know from from 15 years old and on, so almost 30 years, uh, I've only ever wanted to do music and photography as a career, and that's all I do. Yeah. Uh, it, it took a long time to get there, but... Um, but you stuck it out. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, I'm not, 
I'm not a, a very spiritual person, and I'm not a, a very uh, who is. I mean, you know, I mean, me personally, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a saint, nor I mean, but I ain't the devil either, you know. Of course, but I think um, you know, I've I've heard uh, plenty good enough quotes through my life, um, but you know the you know this is you have one life you have one opportunity but you have one life to do to fill it with all the experiences that you want to have and um one thing that my parents did tell me multiple times when i was a kid um and it didn't really (laughs) didn't really stick until i was um an adult was um you know do what makes you happy and you know follow your dreams whatever it is but um but you know as 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 long as you can support yourself and it's legal um do what makes you you happy and um uh and and you know i i mean every parent every mentor should tell anyone that because it's super important um but it's also really super important to to keep that in mind and uh remember that you know, most of us have kind of w- one chance to succeed in life, and that's not money, that's not cars, that's you know having a fulfilled and successful life, and, and yeah. feeling like um, whatever it is that you wake up every single morning and choose to do is uh, fulfilling, and uh, that is so much easier said than done. But, yeah. Um, if I. <sighs> because I've worked very hard at you know real jobs when I was younger um, mostly in you know construction labor labor kind of jobs manufacturing um, that I know what it's like to uh, you know literally punch a clock and and go in and and work a job for somebody else and and oh yeah likewise uh, likewise you know there are a lot of people that are much more comfortable um knowing exactly what they're going to make this week and next week and next month and um i i'm not a huge risk taker i've never been never been a daredevil whatever it is however um I've always been willing to kind of take a risk on myself. Yeah. And that's what I'm learning as I'm starting to get older now because, you know, yeah, you know, you only live once. So you got to, you know, go for what it is that you're trying to go for. Yeah. You know, if I was still swinging the hammer for somebody else, and I use that term very broadly, um, you know, if I was still punching the clock, then, then I would have never worked with Dolly Parton. I would have never run into Samuel L. Jackson. I would have never, you know, uh, in my near future, hopefully, <laughs> smoked marijuana with Willie Nelson. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I think that those, you know, those are the, the things that kind of keep me going. I mean, while we've been on the phone, uh, uh, a manager of a huge artist literally was just trying to call me. Oh. And, uh, I can only imagine, I mean, I'm. I'm very looking, very much looking forward to uh, getting back to her um, because um, th- this person only calls when she's hiring me. Yeah. Um, and you know that phone call would have never happened. I mean, I would have been a fan of this musician for probably the rest of my life, as I have been for the past twenty years. But um, uh, you know, I, I've I've worked 
hard and I continue to work hard and never take for granted um, the opportunities that I've had uh, because tomorrow it means I get to wake up and still decide to be an artist. And, right. Uh, you know, and then there are people that, that want nothing more than to have, you know, a really cush corporate desk job. And, and, and that's great because I need people to work corporate push desk jobs so that I can work my exceptionally uh, chaotic right right yeah life. of and, course uh, you know it, when when someone's like oh what are you doing like in November and I you know I can't tell you I literally can't tell you what continent I'm going to be on next month mm. and that gives me way more comfort than saying like oh Tuesday November 17th I'm going to be you know clocking in at 830 at, at the office yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's for someone who, you know, doesn't drive fast or jump off cliffs or, you know, uh, walk down the hallway blindfolded. Um, I, I've always been willing to take kind of risks in my my career because because I know that, you know, you, you can't you can't invent what could possibly happen. You, it, it's, you know, your, your life experiences, you know, uh, show up because you are available for them. Right. Right about that. Yeah. Hey, well said, sir. Well said. Yeah. So my last and final question for you. So if the people want to reach out to you, how do they contact you? Instagram. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, as much as we all have kind of a love hate with it, um, uh, it's a useful tool. Oh, it's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's super, and it still is. But um, uh, it's it's made people, creative people, or whomever, um, accessible to the, the to the people that appreciate what they do. Yeah. And um, you know, I use Facebook for more kind of you know personal life stuff, and Instagram I try to just keep to. Um, you know, uh, work and collaborations and, and, um, uh, and, you know, if I had a phone that literally texted, made phone calls and one other thing, Instagram would be probably that, that one other thing. And, um, sure. and I love being able to, you know, I've just like all of us, like I've gotten to meet and have dialogues with people all around the world because, um, you know, I can, you know, I can pick up my iPhone and, you know, talk to my friend that's getting bombed in uh, Ukraine this week, literally. Um, Or, you know, or talk to, you know, somebody that's got, you know, three million followers because, because, you know, we used to do open mic nights together. And and, um, uh, it's just been a very, very useful tool. Yeah. Oh yeah, trust me. I've 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 had my share of you know uh, just utilizing it for what it is, you know, and just making connections and know people like yourself. Yeah. Well, that's how I know you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. But from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and just you know doing this because I've been trying to you know set up a podcast for the past six years now. So 2020 came and you know it's funny because the job I had at the time, you know, we had to take a leave of absence and you know luckily those unemployment checks was was coming in and you know yeah and you know and it, exactly you know the funny thing about it i was getting paid more from my unemployment than in my actual job yep 
I was like, okay, I think I can live off of this for a minute. Yeah, you know, and I and I ended up buying a, a podcast recorder, the one I'm using now. So it was just a matter of uh, time and just trying to get everything put together. But you know, uh, it's here. But yeah, but you know, you you you're definitely someone who I admire. Uh, the work I definitely you know because I wouldn't have you know followed your your page otherwise. But your work is just you know it's like a blend of just you know editorial. I'm gonna ask you something, man, because you know I know you do stuff with models. I mean, you ever considered like reaching out the playboy or something um i mean i would i guess i you know i would accept their phone call if they called me yeah yeah i've always my my approach um which has become more refined yeah years or at least at least my vocal response um i've always just gravitated towards um And 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 um, my approach to photographing women in different forms of undress. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the correct, politically correct way to say. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but but that approach, I, I guess the the end goal has never been uh, something that that we've always known kind of you know playboy to publish now i do know that playboy has in the in recent years uh with some ownership changes whatever um that they definitely are taking a more um uh well they're understanding that that they've they've kind of isolated a very particular kind of um you know modified female figure um and and they're they're uh moving away from that but um you know it's 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 always good to be you know appreciated and and uh uh, i've always actually loved doing editorial work yeah uh, for, for print magazine um you know if they wanted to reach out that would be fine um uh i just think um you know i wouldn't change my style of photography in order to match and you shouldn't have to and you shouldn't have to I wouldn't um but uh you know as as most of us have become more accepting of um you know what the female form or or the the nude form in general doesn't necessarily have to be female um you know it's not so taboo yeah and um so uh uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah, yeah. I cheat their jobs. It's just um, I, I would just want to make sure that um, you know, somebody that sees those those photographs, you know, hopefully somebody said, oh, I knew this was your work before I saw it. Right, right, yeah. Because uh, you know, I have all the fancy editing tools everybody else does. I just don't know how to use them, and um, I just I don't have those buttons on my camera to make somebody um. Uh, not look kind of the way that they look. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, if you know somebody at Playboy, you've got my phone number, you can just pass that along. 
No problem. Yeah. But yeah, but once again, thank you. Um, Absolutely. And I'll see you in DC. Yeah, yeah. By all means, you know. Literally, I could be there next week. I truly don't know. Okay. But, uh, but I've got your number down to you, so. Sure, sure. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's some somewhere down the line, you know, I definitely want to do a follow-up interview just to see how things are going, you know, any future stuff that you've been doing. But definitely, yeah. But thank you for taking the time out your schedule yeah. to do this first episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll take a, a photo of Willie Nelson and myself with my phone and I'll send it to you. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> For sure. All right, man. You take care of yourself. All right, thanks, buddy. You too. I'll be in touch. Okay. <laughs> Later. Ah, yes, I would like to thank my very first guest of episode one of the OG Photo Chronicles podcast, Joshua Black Wilkins. He definitely had a lot to say, some insightful and creative things. Um, So hopefully for the listeners, you know, take it in and absorb what information and knowledge that he had. If there are any aspiring photographers who are trying to get into that career, uh, career field as well, you know, by all means, you know, Take a listen, and, you know, he definitely had some words of wisdom to say. So on that note, uh, once again, this is the OG Photo Chronicles podcast. So at some point in time, the goal is for this podcast uh, is to be a weekly podcast. So in the beginning, it's going to probably start out as a a bi-monthly podcast. So I'm still trying to get more people to interview. So just hang tight, stay tuned, and um, thank you for taking the time out to listen and, you know, I'm out. Peace.